Our word today, the text uh, comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, the first part of that chapter through verse 10. You've heard already uh, a glimpse of this passage, but listen still for God's Spirit to speak. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile and insincerity and envy and all slander. And like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, see, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. For those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. I was with some minister friends this week. We were spending time again on Union Seminary. These are some of my best friends. We gather on campus of the seminary to um, read theology books and discuss it for preaching and teaching and ministry. As part of our conversations, we agreed that our sermons today should should be entitled by this. We are still here. We're still here. See, the phrase, we're still here, relates to those loud predictions that yesterday, May 21st, 2011, yesterday, in fact, at 6 p.m., was supposed to be the rapture, the end of the world as we know it. The subject made the front page of yesterday's newspaper. The subject has been on the Internet. It's on billboards up and down the interstates. You may have seen announcements even on Facebook. A group spent lots of money on this announcement based on predictions from Revelation and Thessalonians and other texts and concluded that May 21st, 2011 was the day, the day when the faithful would be swept up in heaven and the world would come to an end. Well, we're still here. At least I think we're here. We're still here because God cares very much about the here. We're still here. Because God is still working on the here, working on our hearts and lives to become more and more more faithful disciples who follow Christ and serve Christ, know Christ and make Christ known in the world. We're still here because God is still working on the world, trying to bring about life and joy and peace and possibility. See, God is really waiting for the time when people live together in peace and unity. God is still waiting for the time when everyone has enough to drink good water not just some of the world god is waiting on the time when peace and light cover the globe god is waiting for a time when we live with more gratitude and grace not grudges and greed 
God is waiting for the time when compassion and care shape our life and shape our world. And God keeps calling us out to be about that kind of work. So, no, we are still here. We are. We're still here because God's not finished with me yet. God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with any of us yet. God's not finished with our beloved world. We have work to do. Our scripture today is right on target if we think about we're still here. It says, rid yourself of all malice and insincerity and envy and live as God's people. You're a chosen race. You're a holy nation. Be about that. That's what the text says. Those are great words for today. And they're especially great words when we have the confirmation class sitting in such prime location right under the pulpit. Uh, Good words for us, these from 1 Peter, when the confirmation class is so close up here. Good words for us when we have our partners from Joy to the World Ministries doing excellent work in Malawi. So this sermon is going to be brief, and it's going to be for you guys, eight members of this confirmation class, but it's going to be for all of us who are called to be about God's work in this world where we still are. I know that our eighth graders are pretty tied in to Facebook. In fact, I've seen some of your pictures, and you got some pretty neat pages developed there with some nice, interesting stuff. Facebook has become overnight this uh, social media that keeps us connected, right? Uh, It allows us to share our ideas, our activities, even about the end of the world. It allows us to share photos and more. Uh, Be sure you're a friend on Second Pres' Facebook page while we're thinking about it. Perhaps most of you by now have seen the fictional account of the beginning of Facebook. The movie is called The Social Network. The movie chronicles the computer guru student at Harvard who founded the platform that everybody is so engaged by now. The story traces his early ideas about what would work and what would not work, what people want, what information, what would help our connections. The story also traces the competition and whose ideas belong to whom and who stole what from whom. It's a fascinating journey, this evolution and development of Facebook, uh, about a geeky college student who became one of the most successful entrepreneurs of our time. Fictional, but that is a very sad story, the social network. See, for all of his wonderful ideas and social connections and computing, the guy who allegedly founded the social network had no propensity to connect with his own life. Remember, he thought about it as a way to connect with girls, and he had no life with girls. He was a failure at that. He developed this with his buddies, but by the end of the journey, his buddies had all left him, and he was pretty much alone. While he had huge success with this endeavor, the social network, his life's relationships were just the opposite. Failure. It's a very sad story, actually, on this Sunday when we're gathered here, when we're still here, on the day when we celebrate faith of our confirmation class and our partnerships that link us as far corners of the world, we recognize that life is really about sharing life. And it's not just sharing life on cyberspace, putting up a picture or offering a comment. Real life is really sharing life with God in partnership with God and in partnership with God's people and serving God from this place in the world. All of us long for community. 
All of us need connections with each other, but real connections, real connections don't come through screens and cyberspace. Real connections are not just a picture here and a comment there. Real connections, especially in the language of Scripture, as we see in 1 Peter, want to affirm you're so deeply loved. You're cherished from the beginning of time. That's how 1 Peter starts. You are destined for a life with God and God's people. That's what 1 Peter echoes verse after verse. Our lives belong to God. They do. Therefore, Peter urges us, this is how you live. When he gets to verse um, chapter 2, verse 1, rid yourselves of all malice and insincerity and envy and all guile and basically grow up. Grow up and be built into a spiritual house. That's actually the language he uses. If we live in God's light, if we really share in the life of God, our lives and God's life, God's love and presence free us from envy, free us from resentment. If we share in the life of God and seek to maintain a real community that God intends, we become generous people. Peter says, and this is the news for the confirmation class, and it's good for all of us to hear, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're God's own people, a holy nation. That means it matters how you live. It matters how you live. God has given us light. We seek to bear that light. Once we are no people, now we're God's people. Once we hadn't received mercy, now we have. So it matters how we live how we treat each other, how we treat our neighbors in the hallway of school, how we treat our colleagues in the hallways of work, how we treat and engage people in the corridors of power in our city, how we engage people in the aisles of the marketplace. The question is, are we living like God would have us live? That's the question for every day. We share in the life of God. Do our lives show it? Do they? with how we treat people, with the things that we devote our energy to, that's the question we ask ourselves every moment. Are we living like God calls us to live? So I want to offer a challenge to the confirmation class and actually to myself and to all of us. Here it is. What you believe and what you love will shape your legacy. What you believe and what you love, what you're passionate about, that will shape your life. It's really not how many friends you have on Facebook. It's really not whether you're in middle school or a successful lawyer or involved in government or retired or where. It's what you believe and what you love that matters most of all. First Peter is trying to help us get it right. What you believe and what you love is what's going to shape your life. Peter says, rid yourselves of all malice and insincerity and envy. This means that sharing in the life of God means constantly working on our very best selves so that not the sloppy, not the mean. We have a tendency to be that way. Sloppy, mean, but not that emerges from us. No, the best selves, love, compassion, goodness, generosity. That's our best. This is what God wants. Peter says, grow up, grow up, be built into a spiritual house. 
a life related to God and life serving in God's world. That's what we're to become. God's people who bear light in the darkness. That means all the moments of our lives, wherever we find ourselves, we've been claimed, we've been baptized, we've been sent out into the world as we sing, here I am, Lord, use me. We seek to offer our best selves to the world. Believe it. Believe it. What you believe matters. Whoever believes will not be put to shame, First Peter says. It matters so much what we believe. Once you're no people, now you're God's people. And then we're called to love. Love God so much that wherever we are, whoever we see, we see God in them. Love God so much that wherever we find ourselves, we know God is present. This is important. These are the things that shape life. What you believe, what you love, that shapes life. And friends, it's a long process. It's not a spot. It's not a destination. It's a path. And it's the path that we're all on together, growing in faith, seeking to become more and more people God made us to be, people who believe and people who love, people who are transformed for God's work in the here, in the now, in the city, in the world, forever. The great writer Frederick Beekner defines a Christian as one who is on the way, on the path, on the journey. And he says, we may not necessarily be very far along on the way or on the path or on the journey, but at least we have some dim, half-baked idea of who to thank. Who to thank. That's what it means to be a Christian, according to Frederick Beekner. We're on the way. We know how to, who to thank, and we keep at it. What Peter wants, friends in this confirmation class, friends in this congregation, friends that stretch around the world, what Peter wants is that we keep nurturing this life with God. We keep sharing in this life with God. And that means in the eighth grade, in the twelfth grade, in the college life, in work life, in midlife, in elderly life, wherever we find ourselves, we keep working on this sharing in the life of God and being about God's purposes, what we believe and what we love. Peter says, rid yourself of all malice and insincerity and envy and grow up, be built into spiritual housing that you may taste and see that God is good. This is the way for all of us, for all of us. We're still here. May God bless us on this journey. May God keep nurturing us and changing us for this work. And may God be glory today and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Great God, your promises are so great. Your presence so real. Your love so pervasive. We turn to you in gratitude. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for claiming us. Thank you for calling us to life and service. Especially thank you today for our confirmation class, for the faith of these young people. Guide them on the way, in the way, in the journey, in believing and loving, and guide all of us on the way. We rejoice today in how your love calls us to partnership across the big world. 
thank you for Elliot and his great work in Zua with his whole team. Thank you for Fletcher and Angela in leading Joy to the World Ministries. Bless this ministry. Bless our partnership. And bless all who are hurting today. Bring healing and light, peace and justice everywhere. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.